Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, a licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And I want to start reminding everyone that this is an educational and entertainment podcast. This does not constitute a session with an actual therapist or mental health professional. I strongly recommend seeking one out in your area to work on your your unique issues. So as you've been hearing on a few of my other episodes, we're talking about my experiences from Comic-Con. And our guest today is another of the people I sat on a panel with, and we had a conversation with about the joys of, of our, not just our geekdom, but what we do as a fellow mental health advocates and out in the world supporting those around us. So I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Elizabeth Smith. Dr. Smith is a licensed clinical psychologist based out of Chicago who speaks and is conversational in Korean. Her mother is Korean and her father is a disabled U.S. Army veteran. She was born abroad and moved to the States in her childhood with, with several relocations and neurodiversity present, present, presentations in her multilingual family. Her training in psychology began early on. Dr. Smith earned her master's in doctoral clinical psychology at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology and is currently licensed in both Illinois and Indiana, as well as having the interjurisdictional ability to provide telehealth in over 30 states, participating in the SIPAC. She provides care through a relational, collaborative, neurodivergent, affirming social justice and trauma-informed lens. In addition to providing therapy, neuro neuropsychological assessments, she utilizes evidence-based trauma treatments such as EMDR, along with play therapy, expressive arts, geek therapy, and honors ancestral healing practices. Dr. Smith is also part of APA's accreditation, accrediting training team, supervising emergent psychologists with a passion for supporting their work with cultural and neurologically diverse individuals. Dr. Smith has also enjoyed, or so enjoys engineering with non, sorry, Volunteering, not engineering, with non uh, nonprofits such as AMHC. I'll let her ex- tell you what these abbreviations mean. KAW and co-founder of the NAAAP Chicago Wellness Program. She has spoken nationally on panels such as C2E2, WonderCon, and of course San Diego Comic Con to advocate for diversity in media, access to health, and to the use of pop culture in therapy. In addition, Dr. Smith enjoys culinary adventures, joyful joyful body movements, art, comics, cosplay, gaming, collection, collecting Hello Kitty and Tamagotchi, and her training in her and training her pandemic puppy, who is currently in track for a therapy dog certificate. So, Dr. Elizabeth, welcome to Untying Tying Knots. Or sorry, Dr. Smith, welcome to Untying Knots. Thank you. Thank you for that warm, warm welcome. And wow, you read the whole thing. <laughs> well, nearly. I did skip a section. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, introductions are so funny sometimes. It's like, what part of yourself do you talk about? Mm-hmm. I find that sometimes so, so fascinating. 
Um, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for introducing and uh, very excited to be here. It's a joy to have you. So let's start with our first question. How did you get here? <laughs> so uh, it's a great question. I know that on the panel, we talked about a variety of things, including uh, my interest in comics mm -hmm. as a child and how I have an older brother and my father who was often stationed abroad mm -hmm. and how my brother and I used to read comics and we used to pretend that our dad was a superhero flying around and that he would come home safely because he had superpowers mm -hmm. and that our uncles would also come home safely. And uh, of course there were lots of really great uh, TV shows on at the time back mm -hmm. when Jenny's X-Men was on and mm -hmm. wild cats and <laughs> oh God, there's one. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't thought about them in a while. Wild cats. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So there is uh, definitely a lot of opportunity for us to engage in our fantasy life in that way. And, uh, one thing I did not share is that post my parents' separation, we lived mostly with my mom's side of the family mm -hmm. who had different ideas about gender roles and what was appropriate for little girls. Mm. And I was the oldest granddaughter on my mom's side. So mm -hmm. it was very much expected for me to take on certain roles in the family. Mm -hmm. And comics were not really a part of that, <laughs> which of course made them that much more appealing to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a lot of fantasy components very, very much played a big, big part in my upbringing. In addition, my dad being a Trekkie, Mm -hmm. uh, and very, very into the sci-fi channel, uh, very much played a part in that portion of my life mm -hmm. and helped me get through so many different aspects of difficulty and growing up and learning who I am and learning about other people. And I think that had a very big part of that part of me, uh, I guess, exploring different aspects of um, how do we understand people? How mm -hmm. do we, um, you know, explore new areas? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, because, yeah, so, uh, so I apologize for interrupting you. So as you said, being tricky, immediately mm -hmm. think about Spock and the whole aspect of half human, half Vulcan. And we know what the Vulcan side brings and we get to see him struggling with his human side. And it suddenly made me think about, wait a minute, Deanna was also half human, half Betazoid, but we never got to see a struggle between her human and Betazoid side. They seem to be always functioning together. We definitely saw some interesting components with her mm -hmm. mom. Right. And <laughs> with the Betazoid marital customs and things, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think if we're talking about some more of the cultural components, that were navigated. Worf was a really wonderful mm -hmm. uh, person, uh, representation, character, yeah. character, I guess, character, yeah. Um, Morph was great. 
fantastic mm-hmm. as well. Um, in some ways, almost a another great representation of what it's like to essentially be uh, like a diaspora person, mm-hmm. character, um, you know, not really within their own homeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were, yeah, just such fantastic characters in, in so many ways. Absolutely. My, my apologies for segueing us, but there's also that moment where it's like, you know, there's those points where we all can find an element of these characters in our own lives. And as you're talking about this aspect of what happened with the idea of what fits in a Korean family, it suddenly makes me think it's like, oh yeah, Diana kind of could fit, kind of fits that experience with the expectations of her beta soid culture's expectations. Mm-hmm. Same with Worf. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. I'm getting the feel and this could be off, but is TNG your favorite of the Star Trek? Uh, I wouldn't say it's, well, I'm a Trekkie, so I watch all of them. <laughs> I watch all of them. Believe me, I watch all of them. Um, I have a DS. TNG was the one that I got to watch as it was mm. for my uh, as a kid because I grew up on the syndication of mm-hmm. the original series, and so watching all of TNG, watching all of DS9, watching Voyager, watching Enterprise, now watching Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds, yeah, and Lower Decks and Prodigy. So I'm watching all of them. <laughs> Fantastic. Including the animated series, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both Lower Decks and uh, Prodigy. I admit that I probably haven't watched as many of the classic animated <laughs> ones, but they're they're all so great in so many different ways. And I think, you know, when that question of you know how did you get here, um, when it comes to you know studying psychology or studying people mm-hmm. and having capacity for that. I think there's so many different experiences that we can point to and media that we were consuming at the time Mm -hmm. definitely, definitely has a huge part in that. But then there's also that question of why did it matter to us Mm -hmm. so much? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in some ways it was that escape Mm -hmm. or that place that we found some sort of similarity that we weren't finding elsewhere connection mm-hmm. belonging mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and especially when we then bring in the neurodiversity compan- components of this too mm-hmm. yeah you know we did our panel at the the central library mm-hmm. and they had these really beautiful quotes at the top mm-hmm. and uh at one point i was thinking oh i gotta make sure that i point that out and of course, I forgot in, in all so of So much going on. There was, there was, but there was this beautiful quote and it said, uh, we read so that we know we're not alone. Mm-hmm. I think, I think was the, the quote. I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but it was a very meaningful, uh, you know, especially when we were talking about our specific topic of how media how comics, art, pop culture can be so helpful for BIPOC students. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, wow, you know, for so many people who have felt othered or felt like they were being told who they were in ways that didn't match. Mm -hmm. 
How important is that to know that you're not alone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're around people who are theoretically supposed to be not making you feel alone, but you do because there's some other components of our intersectional identities that don't match with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you ask people that question of how did they get here, what mm-hmm. is what is your typical answer? Oh, my answer? Um, <laughs> well, because well, as I said when I started this this podcast, it's like uh, I'm not going to sit here and focus on me. You'll learn about me along the way. <laughs> yeah, it's I think uh, it's such a universal pondering, you know, what is our origin story? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a wonderful projective in a lot of ways too, because that can shift depending mm-hmm. on where we are in our reflective processes. And sure. what we're, what we're maybe needing to overcome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think because I had already had a bit of a conversation about, you know, like what uh, sparked my interest in comics and psychology and um, being around people and, uh, you know, various different components just from the people and environments that I was exposed to moving around a bit, being mm-hmm. in a military family, being in a, a multicultural family in a lot of ways. And seeing a lot of different interactions mm-hmm. I think that that was like naturally where I went but I, I wonder how I would have answered that had we you know just art of like just met each other <laughs> mm. yeah it's a different yeah. different when you're doing that first introduction versus having mm-hmm. that time and so forth which mm-hmm. is another reason why I wanted you to offer the uh, aspect for you to come on the podcast it's something where there's a lot of that to, that's that deeper story because as you've just been talking about the korean side of your family and such and those dynamics again not a very common thing that we get to hear and that's a b- beauty of the diversity and as i've always said this is a bipoc it's people of color black indigenous people of color i know there are some that just want Thus, to get caught up in that name, and that gets into identity politics, but this is the diversity, and we have a diversity of faith in uh, all of our geekdom as well, which was so illustrated being at Mm Comic-Con. So in so many different fandoms, all being present, all getting along, all being enjoyed, new people finding other fandoms that they can now be a part of. It's not like you lost anything by Mm -hmm. finding that connection. Because as you're also talking about it, I'm suddenly thinking about um, there was a recent horror movie that came out in this last year with Sandra Oh that was Korean centered. I think it was Um, called Uma. Uma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And I hadn't watched it, but it's like I noted it's like, hmm, because there's also that notion. And I've been noticing this in the last probably five, 10 years that a lot more horror movies were now going up into Asia and such to pull stories from for horror, but of course they always, usually always had a white protagonist. Mm. I think 
if we look at some of the evolution of horror in the U.S., there's definitely been a movement from this like visual monster. Mm-hmm. And throughout several years, it's gone more into it's it's a everyday person mm-hmm. to even more humanized, right? So I, there was like a phase that even went to zombies. Mm-hmm. For, like it became more human. And the things that we're becoming more and more scared of tend to be things, including uh, mental illness related things, which mm-hmm. for me brings up a lot of things I'm not such a big fan of. And I, I know that sometimes people don't like they have certain kinds of horror things or fandoms that they're very attached to. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the propagation of certain stigmas. Mm-hmm. And I think when there's a horror film that's set in some sort of psychiatric ward, one of the classics. Yeah. Or right there are horror games, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they choose this as a setting. Mm-hmm. I think it, it definitely propagates some things that make it harder for people to really acknowledge um, and, you know, find that connection in a way where they can bring peace mm-hmm. uh, to, to a lot of our experiences that could be normalized a bit differently. Mm-hmm. I do find it really wonderful that even when it comes to Disney films lately, it's not so much that, oh, there's this villain of like a dragon that has to be defeated Mm -hmm. or, um, and you know, the, the stepmother trope I think has gone away a bit, but now we're like really talking about intergenerational traumas. Yes, uh, you know, for turning red, when we're we're thinking of, um, you know, a lot of different films, we're moving away, uh, and we're we're getting a little bit, I think, and I'm not sure which words to use to describe it, but we're hitting closer to home, I think, mm-hmm. in in some ways. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think there's also some of the resistance you're seeing too, who are so used to that we need the identifiable bad guy mm-hmm. or the identifiable monster uh, to be able to have an understanding and say that it's a great movie. Because I mean, last night I just was watching Nope, uh, <laughs> which okay. not going to give me spoils. Not going to give me spoils on it, but it's like the monster or the you know it's about alien abduction and aliens involved but it's not what not exactly what you think it's going to be when it comes to the alien you know i didn't even know that much mm-hmm. i didn't even know that that you know going into the movie um but what i i do agree that's a lot of times you know there's a a totally different kind of commentary and i think mm-hmm. that's part of what star trek did so well i think that's part of what x-men did so well mm-hmm. think, right is that we're not just talking about mutants mm-hmm. or aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but we're using that as a a vehicle to facilitate this other kind of discussion mm-hmm. that maybe just maybe you're ready for it. Let's see. <laughs> right. Which is sort of gets into the controversy. Someone's saying it's like, oh, Star Trek is suddenly being woke. It's like it's always been woke. Yeah. Star Wars has actually always been woke. Yeah. Um, Starship Troopers was actually always woke talking about propagandaism. Oh, yeah. So well, I'm not quite even sure if I like the terminology of woke mm-hmm. because it also inherently involves a binary. Mm-hmm. It's You're either like, awake or not. Yeah. And I think that there can be a continuous process of awakening, mm-hmm. just like there's Which, this continuous process of growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've stopped using the whole woke term a long time ago when I had somebody says, well, I figured because you're on here, we're all, you're woke. So you'd understand. It's like, okay, I'm noticing you're quote unquote woke. And I'm giving air quotes here on issues that matter to you, not on all these other things. So you're going to be quote unquote woke air quotes. Again, you need to be woke about a bunch of things, not just the stuff that only matters to you. Very, very true in, in so many ways. And I think that's part of the beauty of intersectionality in a mm-hmm. lot of you. I think, you know, even when it came to, uh, you know, being asked to help out with a panel, mm-hmm. you know, my first instinct sometimes is to not gravitate towards BIPOC panels. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I'm like, well, BIPOC stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. Mm-hmm. And I'm pale. Right. And so that gives me a different kind of privilege. And I don't know sometimes how, how is it? for me to be there. And yes, there are definitely right aspects to colorism and things that are involved with this. But there's also a part of me that's like, mm, would it possibly be more meaningful for someone else to mm-hmm. see? Mm-hmm. Right. And so there, there are definitely times where I think as we, you know, consider, you know, what's meaningful to us, mm-hmm. but also what's meaningful to others. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's also a piece of like, who's at the table, who's not, right. what are, you know, my particular kinds of privilege, uh, you know, and education is definitely one of them mm-hmm. being, you know, white adjacent. I have an American name, my American name Elizabeth comes from my dad's side. His mm-hmm. mother is Faith Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to name me. Actually, they wanted to name me Faith, but my parents did not share a religious faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that was a bit controversial. And yeah, you know, my Korean name, Pangshu, comes from my mother's mother, mm-hmm. who named me. And old school Koreans are delighted with that name. Mm-hmm. 
most other people are like, is that really your name? <laughs> because it's, uh, it's not very common. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the same time, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, like an old school name, but mm-hmm. I don't have to go by my Korean name. Mm-hmm. That's, that's actually something that happens is most people that come from outside of the, the U.S. in a lot of Asian cultures, we have more than one name because we'll choose. And it's not a translation. Mm-hmm. It's not like Peter to Piedra, right? Like it's it's a completely different name. It's like, oh, Linda, I'll go by that. <laughs> like right. it's a very different thing. But, you know, having a, a white passing name, right? Like an American passing name mm-hmm. and being able to switch our accents Mm-hmm. which my mother cannot do. Right. I can lessen, and sometimes depending on how I'm feeling, different <laughs> pronunciations, the accents come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, those are also some aspects of things, you know, to really consider too, when we're thinking about a lot of, uh, you know, these pieces of what matters to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not everyone recognizes what uh, what those experiences are like, especially also like within communities too. Like mm-hmm. who who's considered Asian, mm-hmm. or right? Like who's considered in any you know racial grouping? Uh, you know, there's within group types of mm-hmm. things. So. Sometimes it is about like listening and hearing all of those stories and considering also, you know, how, how do our experiences and our struggles match or not match with Mm -hmm. others? And it's, it's not a monolith by any means. No, it's not. And actually Mark Nazala and I were just talking about that in his interview as well about names and uses of names and what it represents and why they used it and, some of the aspects of people anglicizing their name too. Mm-hmm. So there's so much power in the names and thank you, Ursula Caleb Quinn. Her Wizards of Earth Seas very much talks about the powers of names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a bit. <laughs> and I, I think I mentioned this, that uh, my mm. partner's name his last name is Han. Mm-hmm. And should I take his name, I will be Dr. Han. And, and Han is a culture-bound term in Korea. Right. It's uh, after years and years of oppression and um, so many different occupations and things that have happened. Uh, Han is like anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a, like live in our blood. Right. It has uh, multiple nuances to it. It's not as simple just to say, oh, it's anger, but it's it's also a sense of hope and things. Mm-hmm. But I joke to simplify it that soon my name will be Dr. Anger and that it, it sounds more like a, a totally different origin story, like the origin story of the villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I think, um, did you ever see Mystery Men? Yes. Mm-hmm. And Ben Stiller's character was Mr. Anger. Yes. 
you know, he's on my list people that I think would be super fun to hang out with for a day. Uh, I think there are so many people that you could learn so much from and have like a lot of fun with. And he's on my list of people that I think just if there was like a contest to hang out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be one you wanted to, to be in. But yeah. Amazing. I think yeah. he'd be um, fun in in various different types of settings too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I think possibly most people have a list of people that they would love uh, to like have a meal with or spend the day with mm-hmm. and what that potentially would look like. But ultimately that aspect is, I'm curious, what are you right now in the process have settled on whether you're going to go as Dr. Anger or as stay as mm-hmm. Dr. Smith, which I, which for some, I, I started laughing when we were at dinner during Comic-Con when I was immediately thinking of Lost in Space. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Smith. Mm-hmm. So the, the Smith side, as a, it's a very Irish side. And mm-hmm. not a lot of people realize this, but my uncle, so my dad's dad, mm-hmm. my paternal grandfather, his brother, his brother's name is Peter Smith. And uh, well, one of them, one of mm-hmm. his siblings is Peter Smith. And one of his siblings is Peggy. Mm-hmm. And uh, in particular, Peter is very, very well known in the world of Irish step dancing. Mm. So he's now my late uncle, um, but he is credited a lot for how Irish step dance is now taught in the U.S., mm-hmm. as well as the judges and, you know, a variety of things that because our family wasn't near his school mm-hmm. and, and like in that area to learn Irish step dance. I never really took part in that, but it is like one of those interesting things of, um, you know, the Smith name like really connects me to this uh, like line of, of people in this culture that I don't really feel as connected to especially mm-hmm. because I live with my mom's side so much. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel sometimes about the name change also because names are so important. Mm-hmm. And you know, Smith seems so generic in so many ways. It also has so much meaning and connection mm-hmm. on that other side. I'm wondering if there's a possibility of either hyphenating or maybe it's time to create a new last name. The angry Smith. The angry Smith. I've I've joked about that too. And because I'm like, so if it's hyphenated, which one comes first? And I'm like, Smith Han or Hans Smith? And I was like, Hans Smith sounds German. <laughs> and and I'm like, wow, okay. Technically that's where I was born. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting thing to think about, you know, names and um Ultimately, I think another piece of this, though, and and people often ask, you know, with a name like Elizabeth, 
and with having more than one name, uh, I often get asked, well, you know, what are you usually called? Or is it okay if I call you this? Or how do you prefer? And honestly, growing up, I've had so many different pronunciations mm-hmm. from Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Liege, mm-hmm. Ligia. Mm-hmm. I've had American versions like Betty. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if I knew someone was talking about like trying to address me, right? Like if they were talking about something and they were trying to address me, then I would answer mm-hmm. just the same as if you said something in English or you said it in Korean. If I knew what you were trying to say, I, it wasn't so much of like, oh, I need to correct you or like, oh, it needs to be this because I think regardless of what I was called, I always, I guess, had an idea of who I am mm-hmm. regardless. And like, I have an idea of, you know, which beverage you're referring to, regardless of how you call it. Are you calling it a Coke, Coca-Cola, a pop, mm-hmm. a soda? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. So uh, to me, it was less maybe about that. And, and so maybe even now, when I think about it, I think I'm okay either way. And in a lot of ways, like the name doesn't really necessarily change me. No. Yeah. Because it's ultimately the name you feel comfortable being in the world with, despite, again, all the identity politics that gets smashed into all of this. Oh, paperwork. (laughs) That too. And you know, that's a great place for a break. So stay tuned, folks, for our second half as uh, we continue to talk here with Dr. Elizabeth Smith or Hung. So the angry Smith. The angry Smith. It'll be like a (laughs) Kosuko. Hey, not bad. He he did become emperor. Um, and I'm Harry Clark, licensed marriage family therapist. So stay tuned and we'll have more to laugh about and consider and ponder in this next half. So be back short, folks. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all. Welcome back for our second half here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with Dr. Elizabeth Smith. How are you doing? Great. 
I think we had a great chat during the, the break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even so that we took a longer break than I thought we normally would. And I know it's late where you are, so I want to also make sure we respect your time more. So as we get into this next section, um, I know there are some of the things that I, I didn't know what the abbreviations were in your bio. And I think it was the uh, AMHC. So what does that stand for? The Asian Mental Health Collective. Mm-hmm. I believe was mentioned the Korean American Wellness Association ah. and uh, NAP stands for the National Association of Asian American Professionals, mm-hmm. uh, the Chicago chapter as well. Um, I, I volunteer, I volunteered with a variety of different nonprofits with the Asian mental health collective. I've done things such as support groups mm-hmm. or Asian Americans online, as well as uh, their Lotus Fund, which is a wonderful grant where they actually pay for 25 people to get eight free therapy sessions, Mm -hmm. Asian mental health provider. So I'm one of the providers uh, with NAP, which is also another one that I predominantly volunteer with. I helped them found a wellness program that does mm-hmm. monthly events, as well as some additional things to help with uh, awareness and self-care for Asian American professionals to help us pause and normalize mm-hmm. aspects of, of wellness. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I don't, and the time this is being, will probably be airing, which is going to be in November. Um, I'm sure most people have probably have missed the recent John Oliver late night this week show mm-hmm. where he talked about mental health care. And mm-hmm. one of the things very much a highlighted in that, which has also been known by the assistant field, is that the number of the demand has, thanks to everything that's happened in the last several years, the demand for mental health services has just skyrocketed. But the number of us who are capable of doing it and doing it efficiently has either shrank or has not grown very much and even more so as therapists of that are BIPOC not demand and not to mention adding in the geek factor of it so I mean what are your thoughts about all of that it's so so very true and it's difficult it is a very white dominated field it's very colonized in many ways of even how psychology is taught Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot that we have to unlearn as we are and learn, of course, as we are working in the field, it's hard in, in so many ways. And I don't think it really fully clicked for me until I was several years into practice mm-hmm. that, wow, there really aren't that many Asian practitioners And for psychologists, I I think it's 4% are Asian American. And we also have to keep in mind how many of those are actually practicing Mm -hmm. versus how many are doing research, Mm. only doing research, or how many are maybe teaching and not necessarily doing the therapy or the assessment components. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely more diversity in master's level clinicians Mm -hmm. which is what i am which is so important in so so many ways and 
then we get into the hierarchical component within the field. So, right. Cause there's always out group and in group stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is <laughs> such a, a hard thing in so, so many ways, because even with things like uh, a CE, for instance, mm-hmm. it might not necessarily be something that, um, I mean, like it can be such wonderful and rich information, but it could be something that somebody doesn't attend because they're not getting whatever credit for it or something. I know that problem very well. It's a very consistent one that keeps Mm -hmm. coming up with the BIPOC brain spotting trainings, which I have become very much a part of where a number of people don't want to spend their money if they're not going to get continuing education required. Credit, but the BIPOC training is designed for BIPOC clinicians solely, mm-hmm. which means, yeah, we're not exactly letting in white therapists for mm-hmm. because this is a counter, uh, or should say it's just meant to be a safer space, a braver mm-hmm. space. And therefore, because we're not allowing them in, we don't get the CE credits. So to do and to get this training, you're basically paying, you're paying for it without that additional little benefit it is such a a tough thing and you know i think it was 2021 i did another emdr training Mm -hmm. and it was specific to asian american uh mental health practitioners and Mm -hmm. i knew going in this is you know what Mm -hmm. it would but I don't think it sunk in for me until I looked around and had this like settling within my body mm-hmm. that I had never really had in any other training because I'm usually maybe one or two in the room. Mm-hmm. And there was this oddness to it. even in that setting. And so there's so many different components to it. And working at an APA accredited training site and a CE provider Mm -hmm. site, there are definitely various components to this. And obviously, you know, we bring in ourselves, we bring in our interests, we bring in so many different uh, lived experiences and, and wisdom. And when I train the students, our what used to be called diversity seminar, which at one point was once a year mm-hmm. <laughs> for the internship, or sometimes people call it a residency. Mm-hmm. Um, in teaching the seminar and, and co-teaching it with another clinician, uh, we've renamed it Jedi. Mm-hmm. Justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion training. Mm-hmm. And we bring in, you know, just different elements to this. And there are so many different uh, wonderful aspects to it. And, you know, even being on the side of doing interviews and mm-hmm. advocating for like which students, um, you know, do we want to include or not include? And you can see differences and bias you can see differences and in, in how things work when you are on certain sides 
mm-hmm. of, of these processes. Mm-hmm. And you can see how people are evaluated and things. And I am such a big proponent of supporting the students mm-hmm. and, and bringing in more diversity and, you know, working with like, yeah, we need people with ADHD in the field. Mm-hmm. And yes, when somebody is looking for a practitioner, they're probably going to be looking for someone mm-hmm. that is offering, you know, that ability to empathize with them, right? Because we have that double empathy mm-hmm. uh, related difficult of, um, you know, people from different groups sometimes have a harder time communicating. Exactly. And, and sometimes you want that occasional difference because I know yeah. in my practice, I've I've got, I've had, I've had Vietnamese, Filipino, um, Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of Latin clients, um, beyond just as well, sorry, have to go through the, <laughs> run through the Rolodex of clients. I've had, had at least two Polynesian mm-hmm. uh, clients as well, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I was going to say that I, I was working uh, with one nonprofit where um, I was doing something else. It was like a healing circle, um, just community work. And mm-hmm. there happened to be some art therapy students present. Mm-hmm. And um, they were so in awe. They're like, an Asian therapist. Oh my gosh. Like I've just net, I like their minds were so blown and they um, spoke to me and and told me about some of their experiences in their program about how, you know, they had a professor that told them that no one's going to want to work with them because they're Asian. And, you know, just like these experiences. Um, And so we sat with this for a bit and I, I told them something that I guess maybe some people might get upset with, but he's not necessarily wrong. Mm -hmm. This professor that told them that, but he's also not fully right. Right. Like it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. fine. Because there are people, for instance, who won't want to work with someone who identifies with the gender of that mm-hmm. therapist. Mm-hmm. And there are people that specifically want to work with that person because of their gender expression, mm-hmm. because of their racial background. And there are going to be people that don't care. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people that honestly just want help. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, they're going to hear that, Hey, you were very helpful for someone else. So like, could you help me out? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's word of mouth. There's, there's lots of different aspects to, um, why someone will or won't want to work with you. And I think sometimes it, it is really difficult, especially when you're othered to, you know, readily accept some, some things that people say, and, and, you know, we're going to hear it and, and think that there's not space for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes there is, mm-hmm. uh, 
and sometimes you have to make it. And sometimes, you know, that idea of, of being rated and evaluated and, and all of those things, mm-hmm. it's going to differ for each person. Like the fit mm-hmm. is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things that, especially from the geek world, it would be good to start seeing more psychologists of color or mental health mm-hmm. workers of color in the genre as well, and depending on the yeah. genres. But I think this is a nice segue also into talking about the myths and realities of mental health. And one of the ones we were talking about, which I think this leads beautifully into, what do you think is one of those myths? So, I mean, we were just talking about the rating system is mm-hmm. <laughs> a huge myth in, in so many ways in that. And just to be clear, that's also what's being used by many of these, let's just call them technology-based mm-hmm. mental health services. Or so ones that are more, shall we say, based ideally in using the tech bro approach. I think for sure to... Understand that there are definitely supposed to be some safeguards and things within our field. And that's partially why the licensure and governing bodies are so important and why some aspects of of fields that don't have that, like an ethics Mm -hmm. board to answer to, are a lot of times questionable. And at the same time, there are so many ancestral healing practices and shamans and people that do not have that kind of ethics board and have been utilized for thousands of years mm-hmm. before this type of healing practices have existed. I think that there's a myth also, this idea that everyone needs therapy. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different healing ways to go... <laughs> like modalities and in ways to go about uh, being in this world. And sometimes this idea that, you know, there's this one size fits all. Universality uh, that some just like to try and push. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely a myth. There, <laughs> there's so many myths, including uh, that there's so much harmony within the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, um, as you mentioned earlier, the hierarchical nature of some, some because I know absolutely. I used to be a part of an organization, I'm not going to name it, that I mm-hmm. left and I have no interest of ever going back to just because of how they handle that hierarchy nature. Absolutely. And there's ideas about professionalism. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of that is also sometimes very much that that lateral violence of, you know, mm-hmm. putting each other down in mm-hmm. certain ways. And it's very much these uh, internalized stigmas mm-hmm. <laughs> about what is professional. And I mean, the last time we were together, I was in cosplay. Right. Which is why immediately when I first saw it, sorry, it's like, I started like, who is this? Then it's like, Oh, I realized, oh, it, yeah. was, realized it was you because I, and the brain wasn't connecting with the heat that we were having down there. Do you know how many of our colleagues have told me that they don't actually know what I look like? And th- 
because every time they see me having cosplay. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there are so many different components to that, but then there's also, hey, how many play therapists are in mm -hmm. our field? How many mm -hmm. wonderfully creative, artistic, right? And art therapy, right? Mm -hmm. How many wonderful, expressive people exist in our field? And why is that not honored mm -hmm. in, in and, so many ways? Or because it doesn't also fit within the rating system. And there are those who use the rating system and say, oh, you're going to have a good fit with this this between you and this client or you and this therapist and you know, just because you got a good rating does mean you're the right fit depending on the problem and the personality. Absolutely. And you know, that goes with degrees too. Mm -hmm. So someone has, I don't know, let's say a social work degree. And so someone might in their mind think, well, that's not what I need. Or, oh, mm -hmm. this person has a marriage and family therapy degree. I'm not married, so that's not mm -hmm. what I need. Right. And that honestly could be a wonderful fit for you mm -hmm. in, in so many ways. Mm -hmm. and, and so sometimes exploring is wonderful. And I think one of the, the people that I consider an elder field actually has an MD, uh, Irvin Yalom. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that he has said is he'll spend a year with one therapist and then he'll switch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think that's such a, a interesting and wonderful way to try different flavors mm -hmm. and try different um, paths and explorative modalities of, um, you know, what could this even look like? What are the possibilities? Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, his teachings are, are so, so great in a lot of ways. And he's not the, the only person to learn from in our, in our world. Mm -hmm. right? Which is, and then that for that, especially those on a professional side, and even for the client side, it's like, there's a reason why sometimes you're not supposed to stay with the same therapist forever. Mm. Sometimes you need to be able to move on to another one just because you're getting a new perspective. Or, or that if, you know, going into therapy, that means that there's something wrong with you mm -hmm. or that you're going to be there forever. Because mm -hmm. a lot of it is actually working our way out of a job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, or, or that, uh, a lot of times there's this understanding that the therapist is there to give you advice mm -hmm. and, or to tell you what to do. And sometimes our job is to encourage you to find what feels best for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And to learn that you had it all along. Yep. Which almost sounds mystical or vague as to like what what therapy is, um, but I I also think that better portrayals of mental health and 
you know, this understanding that mental health doesn't necessarily mean mental illness. Mm -hmm. And that there's so many different intersections of different kinds of wellness. Mm -hmm. And right. And some people have a therapist that has, you know, for instance, a background in divinity or right, different uh, other forms of, of healing practices that can be very, very wonderful and awesome to explore. Mm-hmm. I think that that's also a, a big truth and um, this myth that, you know, therapies only talk therapy. Right. Like or, EDR, brain spotting, art yeah. therapy, dance therapy, yeah. movement therapy. Mm-hmm. There's many other forms to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's also this huge myth that we have it all put together all the time. Ralph wants to share that secret. <laughs> Your therapist is not a person. Absolutely. They don't have interests. Uh, They don't have lives outside of the session room. Yes, we just live in our offices. That's why the couch is there. There's actually a pullout. Well, I think that's that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. (laughs) So where can folks find you if they want to talk more? Sure, yeah. We have a, I work in a group private practice on the South side of Chicago called Maricare Neurobehavioral Health. And I am also on Orchid Exchange. And I have an Instagram that's not really like a professional Instagram. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, just, make sure, just make sure I got the professional ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, people can definitely message me on Orchid. And um, we do have a phone number, office phone number for mm-hmm. AmeriCare. And yes, I uh, love meeting and working with people for a variety of different projects and fun things. And I have really enjoyed this talk with you today. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah, it's been and great. The, and the fact that I do know what you look like since thanks to these yeah. conference calls. <laughs> It was seeing you in cosplay that was kind of the switch. Oh, I guess so. I guess so, yeah, because we have met on Zoom before. Exactly. Um, yes. And I mean, I, I very, very much appreciate this. I know that we both have had a long day of training and patients and or clients, and you've had other interviews. And for us to, to keep on keeping on for mm-hmm. the causes and the the values that we have and it's just so lovely to be with another kindred spirit and um, likewise yeah i just i love love this podcast that you're doing and um it's just so great that we're also continuing the magic of mm-hmm. san diego comic-con in other spaces <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> others and um, although we didn't talk very much about it it's um, definitely a, a sensory overload. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have a part two. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, we'll and yeah, because since you've also spoken at uh, WonderCon and C2E2, it's like, it'd be interesting to hear 
a comparison of all three from someone who's been to all of them. So maybe that's a part two. I I would say my favorite con, and this is, you know, for different convention reasons, is Dragon Con. Because that's uh, the <laughs> okay, so we got four different cons to talk about the, as you've been to them. So that's a part two, folks. I'll that's, let you know when we got that. <laughs> I'll let you know when we got that part two set up. So, <laughs> so thank you again, Elizabeth, and I hope you have a good night. And I hope everyone who's listening has a good night as well. And tune in for our next ones here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is on the Voice of America Network. Have a good night, folks. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.